Hi, and welcome to Drinking with Creatives. Totally not a podcast about me trying to write beer off of my taxes. My name is Jeremy Berger, and each week I chat with a professional creative, have a few drinks, and discuss the issues that they're facing. Hillary Cutter is an executive producer, mentor, world-class connector, and entrepreneur. She is the founder of Cutter Productions, a full-service production company, and the mentorship program Cutter Connections. We got a chance to catch up and chat about everything from drive, the representation of women in film production, and passing along what we've learned to the next generation. Enjoy. First question that's most apropos, what are you drinking? Okay, so I, um, as I had mentioned to you, uh, there's a, a store across the street that really caters to microbreweries. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I picked up a, it's called, it's from the Transmitter Brewing. Yes, Transmitter. Yep. Oh, Transmitter. Okay, cool. And it's the Rice Saison Ale. Oh, how's that? It is yummy. I'm <laughs> really digging it. Um, I have to admit, I was in the store for about 20 minutes with my mask on, socially distancing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... Um, you know, it was definitely a cross between the pretty labels versus the ingredients. Um, <laughs> and this is definitely, uh, you know, covers both bases. Beautiful. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to order that. I'll have to give that a try. No, I've had several transmitter brews and they've all been really, really good. I haven't heard of the rice saison yet, but. And it, it says on it, notes of spice, melon, and pear. And I definitely taste that. God, that's incredible. I'm drinking, I'm just drinking a standard Sierra Nevada. Uh, and I'll be moving on to my more powerful uh, home-brewed Belgian Golden Strong uh, for the second one in a little bit, but I want to make sure that, <laughs> you know, I can at least get the conversation started. How it ends, we'll see later. But, uh, you know, as we get going, uh, why don't we go ahead and take care of the responsible bit right now and tell anybody who's listening um, who you are, what you're up to, and where you can be found. Sure. I am Hillary Cutter, the founder of Cutter Productions. I'm the founder, executive producer. We are a short form content production company servicing mainly branded content studios, marketing, entertainment departments at TV networks and advertising agencies. Um, So it's a mix of short form branded and advertising content. And we also have delved into the long form arena as well. But I would say that a majority of the projects we produce are in the short form world. Excellent. If I wanted to know more, I could go to cutterproductions.com where I'm sure I could find all your social media accounts as well. Yeah, absolutely. All five of them are sitting, uh, have logos on our website. (laughs) You've got five of them. God, I am so behind on everything. Uh, Well, Hillary, there are two like kind of big subjects I kind of wanted to get into because, you know, we're talking to uh, creatives a lot and you deal with creatives all the time. And uh, I feel like so much of the division between commerce and creative, both in advertising and honestly in every industry, can be summed up in, in the same way that uh, the business structure of a restaurant is. You have the back of the house, the cooks, the, uh, the chef, the cooks, the kitchen, then you got the front of the house who's dealing with the customer. And creatives oftentimes find themselves really wanting to do the work, but never being able to do that one thing they need to do to kind of, to expand their business and have to be something you're an expert at 
Hillary, give us creatives some advice when it comes to networking. You're one of the best networkers I've ever met in my life. And I feel like everyone's missing out on your knowledge. Oh, uh, so I am a huge advocate of LinkedIn. And I know that a lot of creatives don't think that it's a, a strong resource for them. Um, I think in recent years, creatives are getting a little more used to it and they're, you know, they're not shying away from the great resource that it is. Uh, and, you know, what I love about LinkedIn is that it's basically your digital resume and you can showcase information about, it's your CV, it's your company information, you have published testimonials from partners and clients and various people that have interacted with you throughout your career. Uh, and it's also a great social media tool. So if you want to showcase new work that you're producing, um, if you have any you know, thoughts or like thought leadership ideas or networking events that you want to, you know, let your community be aware of it, there's a way to post information about that. Um, and so I, I, I think that, you know, LinkedIn is basically the Facebook for business. And it's just, it's, you, I, I would recommend anyone who has a pulse out there. <laughs> It doesn't matter what industry you're in, uh, if you're an accountant, a lawyer, a creative director at an ad agency, if you're a gaffer, um, a grip, or a um, owner of a production company. I just think it's a really great place to have a full robust resume with links to your portfolio and any certificates that you have or any organizations that you're affiliated with and just really have that be front and center. Um, and the one, and the one great thing is that it's, there's really strong SEO on it. So most of the time, if you have a really strong LinkedIn profile and you Google your name, it's going to be the first hit in a Google search, which is why it's imperative that you have a really strong LinkedIn presence. Huh. So would that be like a good litmus test about whether you are doing, you know, setting up your LinkedIn appropriately or not, depending upon, you know, Googling yourself and seeing where that pops up in the Google search? Yeah, I mean, I'm not 100%, you know, that's, I'm not sure how it, you know, um, captures your information and if it has to do with, you know, how robust your actual profile is. Mm -hmm. Um but I do know when I Google myself, it is at the very top. And also whenever I'm researching prospective partners or clients um, and I'm having a hard time finding them, um, I Google them and usually I can find them, you know, on LinkedIn. Now you said something interesting about like um, getting endorsements from other people on LinkedIn for services provided. Have you like, have people volunteered that for you? Have you asked them to, you know, contribute their, their, their thoughts to that particular platform? When I joined LinkedIn in the earlier years, it, it was more of an organic, uh, you know, 
I think that when people started joining LinkedIn, like in the sort of late, like I would say 2007, 2008 is when LinkedIn was sort of becoming a, a resource and maybe I find that it's probably been the last three to five years that it's, you know, increased usability like in our industry. Um, and so in the early years, it was just more people were just more apt to to write you a referral or reference. And then a lot of times you might have a a colleague who says, you know, if you write one for me, I'll write one for you kind of thing. Um, and then over the years, I've just, I've had people ask me to endorse them on LinkedIn, which as long as we have a strong working relationship, I'm more than happy to endorse people. So I think it's a mix of people asking their colleagues for an endorsement and then colleagues organically just endorsing you because they had a good experience with you. No, I, I, I do find sometimes, I, I was actually doing another recording uh, earlier today, and we were talking about uh, how sometimes creatives are, are sensitive to the idea of being rejected. Um, so sometimes asking for things like, hey, could you endorse me is sometimes tough, but you'd recommend mm. it. Absolutely. And, you know, the worst thing is someone could say, no, <laughs> and mm -hmm. you, you move on. <laughs> That's... That's what, that's, that's what we covered. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny handling rejection as you get older. Um, that's, I mean, and when you do like actually meet somebody and tell them about your business and what you do, because you've, you've grown Cutter Productions like so much in what, 15 years, I think, am I correct? Yeah, so we'll, on, in September, we'll, we'll have turned 15. Wow. So, September 2nd, 2005 is when I officially incorporated congratulations that's that's i mean yeah i mean 15 years an incredible milestone and you've had you know 15 of them before that so you know <laughs> happy you know congratulations on those two <laughs> belated congratulations five, uh, five years leading up to it <laughs> five years leading up to yeah. it. um but like um you know when you tell people about your business like when, when you, you are meeting a prospective new client or even just somebody who might be a client like is there something like in your head that you're walking like you know walking into the conversation with like something that you know you want to do them like are you trying to help that person in some way i always want any business relationship to be mutually beneficial um so you know when i'm introducing a prospective client to our company, obviously the goal is that they are trying to enhance their creative execution and that, you know, with our 15 years experience working, you know, running the gamut from working with startups to Fortune 500 companies, the idea is that we've had enough experience in the industry working on small and large projects that we have something that we can bring to the table for them. All right, I'm moving on because the other th big thing I really want to talk about with uh, with you know your activities is uh, is I really want to talk about the representation of women in production. I know that's something that you've been championing. I, th I th in some way, way shape, form, I feel like you've been championing that before we even met. And also way before Me Too and Times Up and the you know, real act, you know, activation of 
women inclusion in our industry. It's actually something that I have been thinking about since my first job out of college because there was such a lack of representation and women mentors and peers that it was something that I recognized really early on in my career and something that I was seeking and yearning and really was the impetus of starting my company because I was, I just wasn't inspired by the lack of diversity in the various companies that I was working for in my early years in the career, in my career. And then also just the launch of my mentorship program in 2015 was the goal to make sure that future women creators didn't have to experience what I experienced, which was just lack of female representation in the industry and lack of potential peers and advisors that they could reach out to and address any concerns and you know share any questions or ideas that they had you know being a woman in a male-dominated industry and real quick just give us a moment and talk to us about your mentorship program the, so the mentorship program, it is, we do biannual events, which my goal is as soon as we're on the other side of this and we can have large events, um, you know, with 50 plus people, um, if we have to create a smaller event, um, you know, before the end of the year, that's absolutely fine. Um, but the idea, it started off where, as you know, I went to Syracuse and we have a really strong networking community and there's a lot of camaraderie and support within that community and so a lot of my networking skills and the and the idea of sharing and giving back came from the Syracuse community because it's it's part of our alumni network is it's all about giving back and so I, I got a lot of my first opportunities through Syracuse Salon, and to this day, I'm still in touch with one of my first mentors. Uh, he's been a mentor of mine for 20 years, and I went on an informational interview with, uh, at his company as soon as I graduated, and it turned out it wasn't the right fit, but we stayed in touch, and we've had like annual coffee meetings since that one informational interview, and that's that comes from a lot of the heart and soul of the alumni network, just to continue to give back. And so I definitely had a give back mentality just from the get go. And even when I was, you know, five years out, I already started trying to give back as much as I could. And I would have professors come down to the city and I would meet with current students or recent graduates and just share even when I was only five years out of college, as much information and my experiences thus far with some of the newbies. And then I would continue to give back. I would guest lecture at um, various universities throughout New York. And the one thing I was finding is that I have a very specific area of expertise and, and, and I can only offer so much. I'm a production company owner. I'm very much involved in the day-to-day -day operations, production management, sales, marketing side of the business. 
and also very focused in the advertising production side of the business. So if someone is an aspiring screenwriter or they're an aspiring director, editor, or if they want to be an assistant camera person or they want to work in music production or sports production, that would require them to, to meet other women or people in those you know, various silos. And so what I wanted to do after having been in the industry for 15 years, I thought, what if I can marry all the experts I know in various sides of the industry with some of the newbies that I'm meeting and the students that I'm meeting, whether it's like through guest lecturing or, um, you know, various, um, you know, um, we do, we have women who have shadowed in our office and we have a really robust internship program. So I'm always interacting with students and recent college graduates. And so that was kind of the, the impetus of the program is that my personal area of expertise is only going to help a certain amount of people and that I want to expand the people that I can impact. And so since launching the program, we've had 10 events and they all have themes. The last theme we have was uh, women screenwriters. We've had women in sports and entertainment. We've had women in animation and post-production. We've had women in music and audio post. We've had women in, in integrated production. And I work with local universities to, they nominate students in their, um, I'll either work with internship advisors or professors who are, um, you know, in very specific areas within the entertainment industry. And they'll send me their top students. And most of our events have 50 to 70 women. And the women that the mentees are pre-vetted. I have, I usually put a committee together and we just, we really want to make sure that it's a win-win for the mentors and the mentees in the room. I want my mentees to be extremely buttoned up, come prepared with questions. And so in advance of our events, there were, we distribute a bio sheet of all the attendees. And then the women who show up to the event come really well prepared with questions. They already have targeted who they want to meet. And then in reverse, it's like really great for someone, you know, whether you're an executive at NBC Sports or um, you are, you own an animation company to be connected to the next generation of artists and creators is, it's really important to continue moving the business forward. And I'm always so inspired by the young people in our industry and the ideas that they can bring to the table. And I just, I just think it's, it's just such an empowering way to, to really help move our industry forward and, and really help the next generation of, of female filmmakers. Going back to something that you were, that you were saying before, um, you know, when, when we were talking about the representation of, you know, women in, in, you know, our industry, um, you, you know, you, you know, in light of like me too, have you, how have you found that the conversation on that has changed in the past 15 years? I would say in the last five years, there was sort of a real great transformation where women are not 
afraid to communicate what their creative goals are. If they want to be a TV director, then they'll find a way to shadow on a TV set. If they want to be an editor, they'll find a way to apprentice with a video editor. And I think a lot of women were more timid and scared and they didn't have the resources or the connections to really go after what their creative goals were. Mm -hmm. and, and, and not to say that, you know, we have completely, you know, changed the environment and that it's still not extremely hard for women. Mm -hmm. But I think that the conversations are happening. I think that it's easier for women to find someone who can at least guide them and support them and mentor them that those doors are opening and that the opportunities are there and that also studios and advertising agencies and brands are also embracing the need for diversity and therefore they are helping us create those opportunities because they're realizing that a brand needs a diverse voice. And so if you want a diverse voice then you need a diverse person behind the camera to help tell that story. And so the, the need and the, I guess, um, understanding of why it's important to diversify our film sets, our edit rooms, our writer's rooms is we're it's the, we're moving the needle forward because there's a collective agreement that diversity is a win-win for all the parties involved. What made you think I'd have to edit any of this? You do this so well. <laughs> Good Lord. Good Lord. Well, you know, you say it's still tough. Like what, what are the new, what are the, are there any new challenges that have popped up? Ah, new challenges. Outside of, you know, a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> outside of a global pandemic. Yeah. Outside of that thing. It's, you know, I, I talked about this in a recent uh, article that was um, published about, you know, my mentorship program. And because we're, there's so many years that women were behind um, as far as experience, mm -hmm. um, you know, we're talking generations of camera assistants and gaffers and grips and editors where someone in that role might be a fourth generation artist that was able to break through because of their connections. And I still find, you know, women cinematographers just might not have that exact portfolio that a client is looking for because like I said, I feel that it's only really, we've only progressed in the last five to 10 years. Now, of course, there's the anomaly of women who have just been breaking barriers and creating content since 
the beginning of Hollywood. Um, but as far as the masses and the numbers and, you know, the, the equal playing field of, of men versus women within those, you know, various professions, it's just, it takes, it's going to take a little longer because it takes time to build a portfolio. It takes time to, to really strengthen those skill sets. And I found it a couple of years ago, we, in 2019, I was a producer on a documentary that premiered at Tribeca. Mm-hmm. And we had a 90% female crew and post-production team. And that was the lead filmmakers on this project that, you know, it was, we were creating a film about women and the diverse people in hip hop who were changing the way that um, they basically created the iconic looks in the 80s and 90s mm-hmm. of female, of hip hop artists. And the film highlighted the untold stories of the women and people of color who were behind the scenes creating iconic looks for Mary J. Blige, Missy Elliott, Lil' Kim, and it was really important for us to make sure that the the film set matched the stories that we were trying to tell. Mm. Um, and you know, there were a couple days where I was really emphatic that you know we have an all female crew, and a couple times I fell short where uh, you know we needed a female gaffer, we needed a female sound mixer, and. I was really adamant that I wanted to fill those roles with female crew people. Hmm. And a couple times we, you know, got a referral that was maybe a 10th down the list of, of the, you know, we, we might've started with say five really close contacts mm-hmm. that were close connections to the producers and the cinematographers on the project. And those five women weren't available. And then you're just going down the list and it's, it's, you're finding yourself 10, 15 degrees away from the original referral. Mm-hmm. And you have a couple people show up to set that actually they're not at the skill level that you need. And it's disappointing. Mm-hmm. And it's not because of them not trying it's because they didn't get the opportunity or they're actually like misrepresenting themselves. Like we had a gaffer and we had a sound mixer who were not, you know, they weren't at the skill level that we needed for those particular shoots. Hmm. And it was, it was disappointing and frustrating for me because I really wanted to give these women an opportunity but I also put the, you know, the production in a tough spot where I hired people that weren't as qualified as we needed. And it really, you know, made the production day a lot harder. Mm. And so that's, you know, as much as you want gender equality and diversity on set, you also have to make sure that you're having someone who is at the quality level that you need. 
Um, and it can't just be about, um, it has to be the right person for the job. And so like, that was a huge learning lesson for me is that as much as I really wanted to keep the percentage of women on our film shoot up, um, you, if you go too far away from the original contact of referrals and you go too far down the line and then you just sort of bring a random person on set, mm. it's extremely risky. And, you know, I had a long chat with the, the sound mixer who, you know, just, she was fresh out of college. She had semi misrepresented herself, you know, saying that she had X amount of experience on professional film shoots and she just didn't really know how to perform and behave on a professional film shoot. You know, she was really only a couple of years out of college and a lot of, you know, as you know, it's not just being a f strong filmmaker, it's also knowing how to behave and deal with politics and clients and investors. Mm -hmm. And those skills take time to develop. Mm -hmm. And you really don't want to just sort of test a new person out when you're, you know, when there's investors and clients and brand partners involved. Right. Um, but, you know, I felt I, you know, we had a chat after this particular shoot day and we talked about what she could have done better. And, you know, I, I did say to her, like, please, like, go out there, like, get some more experience and like, call me back in a couple of years. Like, once you, you have a little more client experience under your belt. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I personally feel that women are, they sort of unfortunately experience that type of, you know, I don't want to call it failure, um, maybe more than men because they sort of have to fake it to get the gig. And then when they're there, they don't have the skill sets they need to, to properly, you know, perform the role that they've been hired to do. No, I'm, it, and again, it's, it's obviously, um, this happens with men and women, Absolutely. But yeah. I have experienced it more with actually women than men where they just, their resume and how they sold themselves doesn't really match the mm -hmm. level that we expected of them when they actually get to set. Mm -hmm. So that's like, and that's part of the proper mentorship and experience and knowing what skill level you are and what jobs you you know, responsibly should be taking. The fake it till you make it mentality, I think, especially for the, those fresh out of college, sounds attractive until you run into a problem you can't fix. Um, and I imagine, I imagine, you know, much more so for women than for men, but, you know, it's all still present. Like, well, if I don't get this job, how am I supposed to get experience for the next? Yeah, it's you like know? the whole like chicken and the egg. <laughs> exactly, exactly. How, yeah. do you, how do you build a reel if you don't have clients? How do you, you know, just, it's, this sort of how do i make a reel well you use all the footage that you got from the that you uh, get while shooting with the clients well how do i get jobs with uh with the clients have a kick-ass reel um yeah. <laughs> uh there's a disconnect there yeah and it's it's it, it is something that does take a very long time how are you on that drink by the way um i'm probably have had half a pint that's fantastic but i have another transmitter um i bought two oh fantastic one. yeah 
it's in the kitchen in case I run out. So excellent. It, I got a different different flavor. Is that what <laughs> you're the beer expert? <laughs> I don't think they're called flavors. <laughs> <laughs> you got a different type of beer. Type. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Uh, yeah. Give me actually just one second. I'm just going to go uh, grab myself another one because you know I'm a. Uh, I brew beer. I drink a lot. What can I tell you? <laughs> You're an expert uh, I'm, an, I, I'm, an, I'm an expert beer uh, maker and drinker. Yeah, that's it. Uh, but yeah, give me one second. Be right back. Renee says hi, by the way. Hi, Renee. I, I, well, I got to close the door, but I will pass that along. <laughs> he doesn't say hi? Um, you know, he doesn't speak. Uh, <laughs> he's a dog. Uh, no, he's, you know, it's funny. Sidebar. Um, there are people who have seen who have seen Zeke because Zeke's eight years old now, which you know, yeah, does totally. I'm not on the verge of tears every time I say that, but um, he's got like gray in his whiskers now. And there are people in the, in my own building who have never heard him make a sound. He's very, you know, kind of just like quiet and stoic dog. But man, one of my neighbors heard him bark at another dog once, and he just like leapt six feet into the air. He couldn't even believe the sound came out of Zeke. He's like, he barks like that, and I'm like. He's an 85-pound pit bull. Of course he barks like that. <laughs> so, Hillary, you work with, like, creatives uh, a lot. You know, you from, yeah, from DPs, well, yep. editors. Directors, yeah. um, animation companies. And then on the creative side, you know, our clients are copywriters, creative directors, um, designers. Gotcha. Uh, when it comes to like the creators, like the DPs and the directors that 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 you roster and foster, um, like what challenges do you see coming up for them as uh, you know as we move forward? The one thing that I can say is that every creative out there better be making content, writing scripts. Um, you know, letting those creative juices marinate. Okay. Um, if you're a director or a DP or a writer and you've been living in the COVID world for three or four months and you have nothing to show for it on the other side of this, I don't know how you are going to stand up against the future competition because this is an ideal scenario obviously our health and our wellness and our family well-being is the utmost importance in you know a global pandemic and you know the tragedy that we're facing in this world right now but if you haven't been personally impacted um whether it's you know i, I mean help we've all been impacted financially that's just sort of comes with the territory but hopefully um, you know, you've been able to tap into the, the resources that our government has, you know, granted to freelancers and small business owners. Mm -hmm. um, one would hope that you're taking those re financial resources and you are just harnessing all your creativity and creating something and mm -hmm. thinking about what your next step is. And I've been so inspired by the directors that I've been speaking to over the last few months, um, you know, most of them are, are, are my roster directors. And, you know, one of my directors went out and did the um, New York Tough PSA contest and, and I supported that project and we got, um, we made the, the top 20 
uh, honorable mention list and the video has 35,000 views on um, Twitter. So, you know, she harnessed her creativity um, into this uncertain, unknown world that we're living in and, you know, was able to create something out of it. One of the mentors and collaborators in Cutter Connections was greatly impacted, um, you know, by the George Floyd incidents and tragedy. And she made this beautiful film out of it. And she's a woman that has been thriving to be a director. She's an advertising producer. She has worked on various independent film sets mm -hmm. and has really been wanting to move into the director's chair. And she just, she made this beautiful piece and it was in response to how she was feeling and the change that she wants to help enforce. And um, we're actually, Cutter Connections is helping her promote this piece. And we, we offered pro bono services to help write a press release. And we're gonna be releasing her campaign on Cutter Connections. Um, so I've just, uh, another director that, you know, we're looking to onboard, um, you know, in a few months, really wants to ramp up her directing opportunities. And so she's spending the last few months like re-editing all of her commercials mm -hmm. so that they're, you know, she has a lot of, you know, client cuts that just aren't as strong as they can be. So she's going into, you know, edit mode and just doing cut downs and lifts of, of projects. And I just, if you're not doing anything to move your career forward or creating projects that are going to help you advance your career, then, you know, this is a huge test of your commitment hmm. to really what, you know, what you want to be doing. Like, it just, I mean, now more than ever, it's like, we have time to flex our creative muscles and create content, you know, update our website. Um, you know, we're always talking about, oh, I never have time to update my website. Oh, I never no. have time, you know, to do this. I don't have time to do that. I mean, the one thing that I've really been enjoying the last few months is, is sharing the work that, you know, sometimes you, you go from project to project and you never have time to take a step back and, and honor the work that you're doing and, and really take the time to present it and share it. And so we've been spending a lot of time on social media, sharing the amazing work that we've done the last couple of years, which we never have time to do. It's funny because the one thing I hear from editors all the time, being an editor, is that they need, they keep needing to put their reel together. Like, of all the people in this industry who should have a reel ready to go, if not multiple versions, mm -hmm. why not the guy who guy or gal who does it for a living? Mm -hmm. It makes no sense. It's, it comes down to that old saying, the cobbler's children have no shoes. And I, I just, <laughs> I don't understand it because I love cutting my reel. The only reason I'm not cutting one right now is because I, I, I cut the last one so close to kind of the end of, the, of production of, yeah. of everything. Now I'm just like, well, now I'm just kind of like reusing, which, 
don't get me wrong, I might still do, but instead I'm doing, I'm finishing a feature documentary and, you know, doing podcasts now. Yeah. Hillary, thank you so much for joining us today. This was so fun. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. Once things start to clear up, I'd love to have you back, especially to hear about uh, any new things you got coming up and you know, we can uh, we can do this again with some more transmitter, and I think I might be through the Belgian Golden Strong, but... <laughs> I'm going to be grabbing my other transmitter soon. Oh, excellent. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is what this, this is about. This is what this is about. This is Everybody gonna, get... if, if I can get through another pint, then, then you know, we've succeeded. I, I, I love this plan, and I'm excited to be a part of it. <laughs> For more, check out www.cutterproductions.com. And for more links and what we discuss here, head over to www.drinkingwithcreatives.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and download on whatever is your most favorite listening platform. I hope you enjoy the show, and I'll see you next time.